What companies deserve your hard-earned dollar? Which would you want to work for? How can you know if they share your values? Just ask us. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks who really means business in supporting workers, customers, communities, the environment, and shareholders. We measure progress, track success, and help them be better. When you see the Just Capital seal, you know what's real because just business is better business. Visit justcapital.com to learn who makes your dollar count. This is the best of the Schmidt Show podcast. Don't miss First News with Toby Howell and Rebecca Davis. Weekday mornings at 6 on News Radio 1029 KARN. Welcome back to the Schmidt Show here on News Radio 1029 KARN. I am your host, Brad Schmidt. Thanks for spending some time with me on a Friday afternoon. In the wonderful state of Arkansas, as we uh, roll on through another uh, free speech Friday here, uh, we invite you to, uh, to call in, share your thoughts on any of the things we're talking about, change the subject, anything you want to talk about. Fair game today, and I want to uh, I want to come back and and uh, address the um, the the question the question that came up about the Twelfth Amendment. The Twelfth Amendment says that um, that the the president and the vice president can't be from the same state. I'm trying to find the the text here. It disappeared. We got so so many text messages came in. Um, but yes, the there is a a discussion of this in the Constitution in the Twelfth Amendment. Um, but it's it's a it's actually appears first in Article Two of the Constitution. And Section 3, if I remember correctly, I'm scrolling back through the Constitution here. Um, um, article, or sorry, Article 2, Section 1, Paragraph 3. It says, The electors shall meet in their respective states and vote by ballot for two persons, of whom at one at least shall not be an inhabitant of the same state with themselves. They shall make a list of all persons voted for and the number of votes for each, which list they shall sign and certify and transmit sealed to the seat of government of the United States, directed to the President of the Senate. The President of the Senate shall, in the presence of the Senate and House of Representatives, open all certificates, and the votes shall then be counted." Blah blah blah. There's more to it, but that's what it says. So, scrolling then back down through the um, the Constitution to the Twelfth Amendment, it says basically the same things. The electors shall meet in the respective states and vote by ballot for president and vice president, one of whom at least shall not be an inhabitant of the same state with themselves. They shall name in their ballots the person voted for as president, and in distinct ballots the person voted for as vice president. And they shall make distinct lists of all persons voted for as president, all persons voted for as vice president, and the number of votes for each which list they shall serve. Certify, uh, and so so on and so forth. So where this comes from, where this this discussion comes from, is uh, is not so much that the the president and vice president can't be from the same state. This is something that gets confused very often. Um, what it what it stems from is where it says, "quote the electors." Dot, 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 shall vote for two persons of whom one at least shall not be an inhabitant of the same state with themselves. So it's a little bit unclear, but basically what it prohibits is an elector, the, the members of the Electoral College, casting both of his or her votes for candidates from the same state in which the elector lives. 
So the provision stems from the original way the, the Electoral College selected a president until it was changed in 1804 with the 12th Amendment. So in 1804, or, or prior to that, the election was that whoever got the most votes was the president, and whoever got the second most votes became the vice president. And so they wanted to make sure that the, the electors were not voting for just people in their circles, right, in their own political um, uh, groups and, and friend groups and so on. So they said, you got to vote for somebody from another state. Well, in 1804, the 12th Amendment comes along, and now the president and the vice president are elected separately um, by the Electoral College and in accordance with the, 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 whoever the president chooses as his running mate and so on. But it doesn't mean they can't be from the same state. It, it simply means because now when you vote for the president, he may be from Texas, but now it's a separate election technically that you're voting for the same or, or the vice presidency. So if you had four options, you could vote for a president from Texas and a president for, or a vice president from Texas, but you couldn't vote for a president from Texas and then a second vote you know, like a ranked voting system for somebody from Texas. So it, 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 it is a bit confusing, and I, it, a lot of people get this confused, but yes, the president and the vice president can be from the same state. That is not, uh, it is not prohibited by the Constitution, and it's because of the way the uh, election was. So um, the, or the way the election changed, sorry, in 1804. So Yes, they can be from the same state because they're technically two separate elections. So 501-403-KRN, 501-403-5276. Another texter asked the question, hey, uh, Clinton was the first to dip into Social Security funds. Was that how they, quote unquote, balanced the budget? Um, you know, I don't remember. That would have been, what, 90, was it 94 when they got the balanced budget? 94 or 96? It's been a long time. I don't remember exactly. I was actually in high school when that happened um, or shortly after I graduated high school. Um, I, I don't remember if that's how they how they balanced the budget um, because I think it was a Republican Congress, a Democrat Senate, and a, a Democrat president, obviously, in Clinton. Um I guess I'll have to do some looking. I don't really remember if that's what they used to balance the budget. Either way, um, the the Social Security quote unquote trust fund is no longer a trust fund. It, you know the the lockbox that is the Social Security. Um, all that's in the Social Security lockbox now is a bunch of IOUs. It, it's a Ponzi scheme. It really is. Social Security is a Ponzi scheme. You have a bunch of guys in charge of investing that money. And they've gone out and they've spent all the money. And they've spent all the money on the premise that, well, when we earn it back, we'll just pay them back. We'll just keep writing IOUs. We'll keep taking out loans. And, and once, we've, once we've won, finally, once we've gambled on the right thing, we'll be able to make enough to pay it back. I mean, think of it this way. If, if you came to me, and you said, "Hey, Brad, I want to I want to invest a hundred thousand dollars, and and you are 
uh, you're smart. You know how to invest in stuff. So I'm going to give you the $100,000, and you should go out and invest it for me in the stock market. And then I take your $100,000, and I invest, say, 50000 of it. But the other 50000 I just go out and spend it. I go out and buy myself a new car. I you know, go buy myself a new computer, whatever it is that I choose to buy, with half of your money, thinking, I don't really worry about it. I'm not really concerned about it because I'll be able to make so much money with the other 50000 that you'll never know. Well, so I start doing some investing with the other 50000 as I'm driving around in my new Porsche with your other 50000 and I start making a little bit of money. I make like 65000 Made a fifteen thousand dollar profit. Well, then I decided, you know what? my My wife needs a new uh, my wife needs a new uh, wardrobe, so I'm going to spend five or ten thousand dollars on a new wardrobe for my wife. But it doesn't matter because I made I mean in a month I made fifteen thousand dollars on the money that was in there. So I'll be able to pay it back. You'll never know. And then. I decide that my Porsche isn't fast enough, so I need to hot rod it a little bit. I need to fix it up, put some new wheels on it, some new tires. So I take another $20,000 out, and I hot rod up my new Porsche. Well, now there's only you know $30,000 in your account. But I'm not worried. I can make so much money. And I go out, and I do, and I make $30,000. I double your money. So now there's $60,000 in there. I'm like, oh, man, I did so good. I'll make, I'll make more money. And I begin to just keep taking money out. Pretty soon there's no money in there at all. And I just keep playing and gambling, and, and I, quit. I give up on, on making money at the stock market at all. And I just head on down to, uh, to the racetrack, and, and I start betting. I, I, start, I start betting on the ponies, and I lose all the money. And I go broke. And one day you show up and go, hey, uh, where's that $100,000 you've been investing more for me? For me? You, we, should, we should have a couple hundred thousand by now. And I say, oh, well, uh, sorry, all I got left in there is a bunch of IOUs because I ran out of all your money. I spent it all. And I used it as collateral to get a bunch of credit cards to keep borrowing more and more money. So I'm sorry, I don't have your money. That's where Social Security is. And that's not a joke. That's exactly what has happened to Social Security. They have promised to invest it for us. They have promised to take care of us and promised to give us a a payout when we retire and all that kind of stuff. And the money is gone. The government has spent it all. And they are taking out loans and bumping up the debt limit so they can keep borrowing money to, to pretend to pay us out of our own money. That it's a Ponzi scheme. And anyone else, if they had engaged in such behavior, would be in jail for fraud. And that's exactly where Social Security is today. We'll continue in just a few moments on News Radio 1029 KR. You're listening to the best of the Schmidt Show podcast. Welcome back to the Schmidt Show. I am your host, Brad Schmidt. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. 501-403-KRN, 501-403-5276. One texter asked that uh, Bush and Cheney thought they had to be from different states in the, was it 2000? 98? 2000, 98. When was it? 92, it was 2000, 2000. 
because uh, Clinton was elected in 92. So, um, yes, the, it did come up briefly. They were expected to, because it, essentially the electors from Texas would have been prevented from voting for both Bush and Cheney on their electoral ballots um, because they would have to vote for at least one person from outside of their state to be on the ballot. And essentially, all and, and there was a lawsuit on it. It ended up being dismissed, I believe, and, and the court ruled that it doesn't really matter because Cheney's a resident of Wyoming because Cheney changed his residence to Wyoming to simply avoid the the lawsuit. But even if they hadn't, even if they even if Cheney had stayed in Texas and maintained his residency in Texas, the only thing that would have happened was the electors that would have been selected to vote for Bush Cheney would have elected and they they talked about this. This is what would have happened that they were going to be um, dealing with is that the the electors from Texas would have simply voted for George W. Bush and then became what they call a faithless elector in not voting for um, the the individual that was selected by their state and essentially abstaining from voting at all. So Cheney, their 30, whatever it is, their 30-some electoral votes that they got just wouldn't have gone to anyone. And so Cheney would have still had a majority of the votes as the vice president, and it would have become entirely irrelevant. So it it is it it's a it's in the language of the Twelfth Amendment. It's also in the language of Article Two, Section One, Paragraph Three. Um, but it is essentially uh, essentially a moot point at this point because they've changed the way the elections go uh, since eighteen oh four. Uh, anyway, Texer says, what does it matter if the president and vice president come from the same state? Well, when the founding fathers drafted the Constitution, Article 2, Section 1, Paragraph 3, they didn't want people that were voting for president to just simply look inside of their own presidential or their own political circles in their own little groups. They wanted them to look outside. So you could vote for one person that you could you could support to be the president and they could be from within your circle and all that kind of stuff. But they wanted, because the vice president was the person who got the second amount of votes, the second most votes. So in famously in John Adams versus Thomas Jefferson for the, the second presidency, John Adams and Thomas Jefferson were basically opposites politically. Thomas Jefferson would have been probably more aligned with the modern libertarians uh, today, and and John Adams would have been considered a more uh, classical liberal, if you want to call it that. And so they were politically quite a bit different. John Adams thought that there should be a larger, more powerful central federal government, and, and Thomas Jefferson believed that, no, we, we don't need a large federal government. We need a smaller um, federal government and everything else should be handled at a at a local level at the state and and so on, and so the founding fathers said we don't want you to just look at your own buddies when you're voting as a member of the electoral college. We want you to be forced to kind of look outside of who your uh, typical friends and 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 cronies and buddies would be. So you weren't allowed to vote. You know you couldn't vote for two Texans or two. Well, the Texas wasn't a state yet, but you could vote. You couldn't vote for two Virginians or two, you know, 
folks from Delaware or whatever. They wanted you to go, oh, I like my guy from Virginia. And I kind of like the guy from North Carolina, but yeah, we'll throw him in there anyway. So that was the, the idea. And so nowadays, it doesn't matter anymore. It really doesn't because the elections aren't, aren't managed that way. So it, it just doesn't matter anymore. And like I said, there, there have been challenges it, to it in the court, most famously with Bush and Cheney. And Cheney just said, well, fine, I'll sell my property in Texas and, and move to Wyoming before the election. And then it becomes a moot point, which is exactly what he did. So 501-403-KRN, 501-403-5276. Jebediah in Conway, you're on the Schmidt Show. Go ahead. Yes, sir. I was want to talk about government accountability if we could. Go for it. It's Free Speech Friday. All righty. So we elect these officials that go in there and are supposed to do the, the work of the people or what the people want. And we've got a lot of them that are going in there and they're trying to um, break down the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, specifically fighting against the Second Amendment, the First Amendment, the Fifth Amendment, and so on and so forth. But nothing ever happens to these people. They're never held accountable. Mm-hmm. So really, the the only thing that makes them be accountable, since we can't get them voted out of office or anything, is the oath that they take that they swear upon the Bible. So you would figure that would be enough, swearing an oath on the Bible would be enough to keep you kind of honest to your word and what you're, you're true to. Mm-hmm. So that tells me that none of these people really give a rip about the Bible or what it stands for and so on. So what, what, what exactly is holding them accountable for not doing the will of the people? Well, the, here's the problem, Jebediah. It's supposed to be we, the people, that are holding them accountable. It's supposed to be you and I at the ballot box. It's supposed to be you and I in, in where we donate our money for political campaigns and, and all that kind of thing. But the reality is the, the American electorate right now is probably just the laziest and most selfish it's ever been. We just don't care. I mean, we, we say we want we say we want somebody to come in and clean up Little Rock and fix the crime issue. Yet we vote overwhelmingly to put uh, Tim, uh, Mayor Scott back in in office. We say we want. Well, see, do, do we do we really vote them back in office? Because I mean, if we take a look at what's going on out in Arizona, we're seeing all kinds of voter fraud issues being yeah. brought up. Yeah, I mean, and I think we use the same machines that they use out there. So what's saying that they're not doing that here in Arkansas? Maybe not necessarily for a pres- presidential election, right? But I mean, they're they're liberal spots, they're liberal run towns and stuff right. like that, you can't ever get none of those people voted out. Well, so, so for, so, that they're not cheating the same way they are in a presidential election? So for, for like the mayor's race, right? I've talked to Steve Landers since then, and he, he said, look, there, there, was no, there was no cheating. There was no... The, you got to remember, the city of Little Rock is, is, uh, is about two to one Democrat to, to Republican, and that's about what we saw in the election. Not quite, but, but fairly close. In fact, we saw probably... Um, a larger number of Republican votes for Sanders and a large or for uh, uh, Landers and a larger number of Republican votes for like Blue Keller for sheriff than we expected. Those guys probably outperformed the demographics. So uh, I'll get into it a little bit more when we continue. I appreciate the call, Jebediah, but I'm up against the break. The Schmidt Show continues next on KRN. You're listening to the best of the Schmidt Show podcast. Welcome back. Once again to the Schmidt Show, I am... 
Get an inside look at Hollywood with Michael Rosenbaum. Let's get inside of my buddy, Kumal Nanjiani. When you talk about Eternals and it wasn't the response that you were hoping, how did that affect you? Marvel thought that we'd be going on a wave of raves, you know, and it wasn't true. The reviews were really bad. And you were aware of it while you were on tour? Yeah, I was too aware of it. And so very intentionally, I did start counseling. Emily says that I do have trauma from it. Inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum. Wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Let's get into season four, episode three, Facade. People get picked on. I got picked on. But Scabby, Abby, Scabby, the whole school. Yeah, I me. I felt like it wasn't real. If I may, I want to defend the storytellers. The people who created the show wanted you to feel like these people were the worst people ever. They pretty much said the whole school of Smallville High are bad people. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. Your host, Brad Schmidt. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. 501-403-KRN, 501-403-5276. Several text messages come in. Uh, one of them says, speaking of, uh, of the, uh, the Social Security stuff, just give me back what I paid in. Heck, half of it would even be better than what I'm likely to lose at near 60. One-time lump sum, untaxable, since it's only half. They already got a 50% tax on it. Might, be, uh, might not be a, a bad idea there. Um, but here's the reality. You're not going to see it. They just here's the thing. I I will say this about Social Security and that kind of stuff. It will exist and will continue to exist in one form or another. What I would like to see happen is an opportunity to just simply opt out. Like I I just don't want to and I just don't want to participate. I don't want to be involved in Social Security. You are wasting my money. You are throwing it away. And it is of absolutely no benefit to me. It's not about taxes and being taxed for the services that I receive and any of that kind of stuff. We were told that when Social Security and all that stuff, when it was created, we were told that it was going to be our money. Nobody else was going to get it. Nobody else was going to be able to take it from us. Now, it all goes into a central, you know, a, a, a big pot. And when I die, whatever money I put in there simply stays in there to cover other people that are coming on that lived longer than expected. Fair enough. I get all of that. But we were told it was for us. And it's not that anymore. It's just another tax. It's just another revenue stream for the government so they have more money to waste. And I don't want to participate in it anymore. But here's the problem. If I choose not to participate in it, I go to jail. I get audited. I, the IRS shows up. They seize my house. Whatever it is that they do, I don't want to participate in it. I, and honestly, I don't care if I ever get a Social Security check. I really don't. I, I mean, the if you just like I said, if you average over the course of a a forty year adult career, if you average, I think the number I used was fifty thousand dollars a year, and you paid in the twelve and a half or the thirteen and a half or whatever the percentage is that the that you put in. I think it's I think it's thirteen percent, six and a half by you and six and a half but matched by your employer. 
and and just that making eight percent interest, you you become worth four and a half million dollars or some number like that. And if it, if it made a ten percent interest in the stock market, the average over the course of the life of the stock market is about twelve. But even if you only made ten, you'd be worth millions. It's a waste of money. We are absolutely throwing money in the garbage. So the politicians in Washington, D.C. can continue to spend our money. I don't want to participate. I, I, I know that everybody, well, I earned Social Security. Yes, you did. And, and whatever age you are, you should be allowed to continue that. And, and you were promised that money from Social Security. I don't want to take it from anybody. I really don't. But what I don't want to do myself is participate in the government wasting any more of my money. I already invest. Uh, probably, I mean, if I had to put a number on it, I, I, I invest probably 10 to 12 or more percent of my income. I'm trying to kind of do the math in my head here real quick on the air, but I, I, I invest 10 to 12, maybe a little bit more than that, percent of my income into retirement. If I were able to take the other 13% or whatever the Social Security number is and invest that in addition to what I'm already investing, I would be a millionaire multiple times over. But instead, I'm sitting here looking ahead in my future in the next 20 years when I retire that I may have spent 45-plus years of my working life investing into a program that may not even exist and is expected to go insolvent in the next few years. And I am being forced by the government to keep putting money into a failing program. Yet if my investment guy that I work with, his name is Brent by the Brett, by the way, if Brett did this with my money, he would be in jail. He would be he would be arrested and he would be thrown in jail. And there would be news articles written about him, about how bad of a money manager he is and how he defrauded people out of their life savings and all of these terrible things. But yet when the government does it, the idiots like Chuck Schumer and, and Mitch McConnell and the rest of them keep saying, well, we got to keep funding it. We got to keep putting money into it. No, you don't. All you got to do is fund it for the people who are on it guaranteed for now and everybody else. Quits participating. Make it voluntary. I'm, I'm more than okay with not participating. And if you want to force me to invest, that's fine too. But let me invest it. And if you don't think it'll work, it's actually not that hard. You simply go to companies like Vanguard, Fidelity, Edward Jones, Charles Schwab, whoever. You go to them and say, look, we need you to put together a plan. A, 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 a fund that, that will be managed by you. 
and it will be added into your individual customers. And whatever they invest in it, you manage it just like you would a Roth IRA or just like you would a 401k. And people put money into it, and it's their money. They will be required to invest with your company by law. And their employers will be required by law, just like they are now, to, in, to, to match that investment. And, and Social Security is an absolute dinosaur. It's a waste of money. It's a waste of resources. And we are being ripped off by the government on a daily basis. And when somebody starts talking about, hey, we want to quit ripping people off. We want to quit screwing people in the investment world with Social Security and do something different. They are absolutely crucified in the media because you hate old people. It is so backwards and upside down. The one it, I hate property taxes, the perpetual property tax, more than anything. The perpetual property tax, as I've said many times, is the single most immoral tax foisted upon us as a people. Right behind that, Social Security. It is a complete ripoff. It's a scam. They are stealing your money every single paycheck. The only thing I want to do is not participate. If you all want to stick with Social Security, fine. Stick with Social Security. Go for it. Knock yourselves out. I don't care. It's your money. Do what you want with it. I don't want to participate anymore. The, the, the immoral part of it is that I am forced to participate by a bunch of crooked politicians who don't care if I ever see any of the money because they're so rich that they're never going to be on Social Security. It is a screw job. And we, the people, you talk about holding people accountable, we, the people, need to start standing up and talking about this. It is a complete and utter ripoff. Now, as far as the elections, I, I, I promised I would talk. To, I would address Jebediah's uh, points on elections and and holding uh, leaders accountable. So we'll do that when we continue in just a few moments on News Radio 102.9 K Air. You're listening to the best of the Schmidt Show podcast. Welcome back to the Schmidt Show. I went back and rerun the numbers. If you average, start working at age 20 and you average a $50,000 a year income. The social security uh, the social security payroll tax is 12.4%. 6.4% by or 6.2% by you and 6.2% by your employer. So 12% of 50,000 a year um, works out to $6200 um, a year. So I rounded down, we went with $500 a month. So if you average $50,000 a year for 45 years, never get a raise, never never see anything but $50,000 a year for 45 years of your work life, and you invested that 12.4%, the $500 a month, and it made only 8% interest, which is about 4% below the stock market average over the last 120 years. Your net worth at 65 would be $2.6 million. You could draw on that 
at $26,000 a year and basically never pay in or never lose any money at all. Never, never, um, never outpace the growth of your, your retirement. Now, $26,000 isn't much, but you could live fairly comfortably for the rest of your life, even if you live to be 90, 30 or 25 years beyond your retirement, you could live pretty comfortably on that $2.6 million. Now, you bump it up to where it matches the stock market average for about 12 years, or about, or sorry, at about 12%. Now, that's optimistic. I, I get it. But a good investment firm, if they simply match the stock market over the last 120 years at 12%, your net worth would be $10.7 million on a $50,000 a year income. If you simply invested the money that you put into your, your Social Security, and put it into a, a privately held investment scenario making just what the stock market makes on a $50,000 a year income. Now, most of us will probably get a, get a raise. And, and let's just say that, that for the, the, the course of your lifetime, once you get into your, your 50s and you work for 15 years at, a, at say, a $100,000 income, if you bump your investment up to, say, an average of $750 a month over your career, over your lifetime, you're suddenly worth $16 million. If you're, if you're able to bump that up a little bit more, you do pretty well. You get a job as an engineer, and you're able to invest $1,000 a month over the course average. Now, of course, that's an average over the course of your investing life. You'll be worth about $21 million. So I'm telling you right now, if you are not investing and are counting on Social Security for your retirement, you are getting ripped off. And even if you are investing and you're still putting money into your retirement, you are getting ripped off. There is no reason why they should be saying, oh, your, your benefits from Social Security can only be $1,000 a month or $1,500 a month or $2,500 a month. Because if they had invested it wisely in, in a private account that is, that is, able, or that is only for you to, to draw from and no one else, you would be worth millions and millions of dollars. And you wouldn't have to worry about how much money you can afford to, to spend in your retirement. At $4 million, you can spend at $4 million. Think about this number. At $4 million, you can spend $10,000 a month for 33 and a third years before you run out of money. And that's with no interest. $4 million. 
You can spend $10,000 a month for 400 months before you run out of money. That's 33 and a third years. The federal government is stealing our money with Social Security, and all of us should be clamoring as loudly as we can to do away with it because it is a screw job and we are getting ripped off. 501-403-KRN, 501-403-5276. Robert in East End, you're on the Schmidt Show. Go ahead. Hey, Brad, just want to make a quick comment, and it's just simple. They can't control uh, wealthy people. Exactly. They don't want us to get wealthy. Exactly. It's all about control. If everybody, like you say, just the returns that are possible, if everybody could do that, then they couldn't control us like they do. And especially, you know, because it goes over on into the other unfair taxes, like you say, the perpetual uh, real estate or whatever, you know, that. But also, you know, that, okay, you, you, you invest and you do all those things, and they still are going to tax you. And then when you die, they, got, they have all kinds of inheritance taxes. They just want to control us. We are subjects, not citizens any longer. Haven't been for a long time. No, you're absolutely right. I, I, I couldn't have said it any better myself. That's exactly what it comes down to. It is, a, it is simply a matter of, of control. They want to make sure that, and I've said this before, right? right? We always say money doesn't buy happiness and all that kind of stuff. It's absolutely true. It doesn't. Just because you've got money doesn't mean you're going to be wealthy, but if you are going to be happy. But if you have the liberty, the freedom that that kind of, of wealth allows you, you can, you don't have to, if, if, if I have $4 million in my retirement account when I'm 65, I don't care who the local school board member is. I don't care who the, the local professor at the college is. I don't care who the mayor is because I don't have to depend on them for anything. I have enough money to send my grandkids to college wherever I want to. I have enough money to, to live in whatever part of the community I want to live in. I can live in a gated community. I can live in a non-gated. I don't care what the crime rate is downtown or somewhere else because I don't have to live there if I don't want to because I have the liberty to do whatever I want. Liberty means we, have, we no longer need the government, and if they, we don't need the government, then they, don't, they can't control us, and you absolutely hit the nail on the head, Robert. I appreciate the call. I am out of time. The Schmidt Show continues in just a few moments. It's News Radio 1029 KARN. Stick around. It's Free Speech Friday. This is the best of the Schmidt Show podcast. Don't miss First News with Toby Howell and Rebecca Davis. Weekday mornings at 6 on News Radio 1029 KARN. Look at Hollywood with Michael Rosenbaum. Let's get inside of my buddy, Kumal Nanjiani. When you talk about Eternals and it wasn't the response that you were hoping, how did that affect you? Marvel thought that we'd be going on a wave of raves, you know, and it wasn't true. The reviews were really bad. And you were aware of it while you were on tour? Yeah, I was too aware of it. And so very intentionally, I did start counseling. Emily says that I do have trauma from it. Inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum. Wherever you listen.